Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. It's good to be back in God's house with God's people. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. Uh, we just came back, well, uh, a couple of days ago, we came back from a trip on a Disney boat with the grandkids, and then we went to on our RV trip to the Wilderness Park, and what a blessing it was to hang out with our kids and our grandkids, especially when it came time for prayer and stuff like that. It, there's nothing more um, meaningful to your heart when you see your little ones start to imitate the things of God and to pray and to do things like that, amen? And so it was just, just a wonderful time. Again, I trust everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving with your family and your friends. And today we're going to conclude our, our message that we've been calling, help me out someone, give thanks. Simply give thanks. A, a gentle reminder to ultimately give thanks to the one who's given us everything. And to give thanks with gratitude, through growth, with grit and determination. And today we're going to conclude with glory, with glory. Now, what do I mean by glory? Well, I saw three definitions when I looked it up. The first one was high renown or honor won by notable achievements. For example, to fight and die for the glory of one's nation. The second one was magnificence or great beauty. The train has been restored to all of its former glory. But it's the third one I want us to focus on this month and this morning is to praise, worship, and thanksgiving offered to a deity. The praise, worship, and thanksgiving offered to God, to give thanks to God. <clears throat> and of course, our, our God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen? As a matter of fact, uh, I, I, I was sending out um, happy Thanksgiving messages to people. Maybe some of you got them. And I sent it to this one particular person, and they shot back, uh, happy uh, in, in Indigenous Day to you. And I said, okay, I I'll bite. Um, what does Thanksgiving have to do with Indigenous Day or Indians? Well, you don't understand the history of our country and how things have been whitewashed and how the Indians feel about this day. I said, well, why don't you educate me? So then he sent me a link. I said, okay, I'm not interested in the, the CRT version of our history. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Thanksgiving was instituted as a day of thanks to God. Amen? In fact, that's, what, that's exactly what happened uh, with Abraham Lincoln. Do we have that, that photo? He, Abraham Lincoln's 1863 proclamation making Thanksgiving a national holiday. He says it's a day of Thanksgiving and praise to our Benefit, beneficent Father, who's that? God. God, who dwelleth in the heavens, and with humble penitence for our national perseverance and disobedience, we fervently implore the in interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, and tranquility and, un and union. And that was October 3rd, 1863. Does anybody know the history of, uh, uh, of what was happening right about that time in our country? There was a civil war, right? 
and in, in 1861. And this is, and he made this proclamation at the end of the Civil War after the North, you know, defeated the South over slavery, predominantly over slavery. And he made this proclamation that Thanksgiving will be a day of thanks, not to the Indians, not to Mother Earth, but to our Heavenly Father. Come on, somebody. And so we lose sight of that, and we get into all this ridiculous nonsense that has nothing to do with what the day was supposed to be. And in fact, what I'm trying to do, what we're trying to do, is not just cultivate a day of Thanksgiving, but an attitude of Thanksgiving that goes throughout the year. Does that make sense? And it's to God. Revelation 4.11 says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. Praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, in love, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship, sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. So the praises of God will be proclaimed throughout all of heaven and all eternity. And the scriptures tells us what's going, what heaven is going to look like in Revelation chapter 5 verse 11. He says, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousand times ten thousands. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain who, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down, and they worshiped them. Listen to me, folks. The Bible says there, there's, there is one who is worthy of our worship and praise, worthy to be magnified and glorified in this life and in the life to come. In fact, Jesus said, if we don't praise him, the very rocks will cry out. And I don't need no rocks crying out praises for me. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Matter of fact, there was, Pastor Sean was mentioning that earlier today at the beginning of the service because so many of us had left for the last two weeks to do our thing and the worship team had gotten down to just a few and there was only a few people holding it down. And, and Pastor Sean said, yeah, if one more person wasn't here, we'd have to put rocks on the stage to give praises. <laughs> Listen, don't let no rocks have to give praise to God for you. Amen. Amen. In fact, Jesus said, if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. Now, listen, uh, this is our key verse. And let me remind you, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 18, it says, Be joyful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, while I'm on that moment, let's just, I am thankful and grateful to Pastor Sean, his lovely wife, Miss Shelley, Pastor Steve and Miss Lena for holding things down. Amen. They did a great job and, and the team. And so, oh man, it's so, it is so nice to be able to leave and to come back and know that everyone is in good hands. 
So this verse says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So someone might say, well, Pastor Rick, with all that's going wrong in the world, how can we pray continually and for all circumstances? And again, we've come full circle, like we said on day one. We, we don't thank him for all circumstances. We thank him in all circumstances. Amen? In all circumstances, good or bad, because my Bible says and your Bible says he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. Anybody love him today? Come on. Anyone not ashamed to say that Jesus is the, the lover of your soul? And my Bible says that he's working things out. He causes all things, good and bad, to work together for the good of those who love him. Now, since no one has seen God, practically, what, how do we do this? Well, we focus on the things that are excellent and praiseworthy, the Bible says. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, and pure and lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, what does it say? Put into practice. It's not just about what you hear, it's about what you do. And, God, and the God of peace will be with you. So in this passage, the Apostle Paul has given us the secret to having God's presence and his peace continually in our lives. Anybody want that? I know I do. I want God's peace in my lives. Now notice everywhere where you see the words whatever and what's directly after that. It says whatever is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right and pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, it tells us to focus on those things. Now, this is a great place to kind of start our journey toward glorifying God in our lives, right at this verse, because the Apostle James tells us where the kind, that kind of whatever comes from. In James 1.17, it says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Listen to me this morning. If your desire is to give thanks with gratitude and grit and growth and glory, you have to focus on whatever is good. And let me, let me point out at least four things that the Bible says are, are good things for us to focus on so that we can walk in the glory that God wants for us. Number one, you have to put your faith and trust in God the Father. Amen? Amen. In God the Father. Now, here's why. Because God is good. And it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. And he's worthy of our praises. But, but let me give you another reason. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37, it says, For nothing is impossible with God. Now think about that just for a moment. What situations are you facing? What circumstances are you going through? Nothing is impossible with God. I've literally read the Bible cover to cover several times, in fact, and it has a lot of stories, history lessons, life events, triumphs and tragedies. But there's one thing you're not going to find in the Bible anywhere, anywhere where it shows 
that God fails. It's just not in there. There are battles lost here and there, but in the end, how many of you know that God wins? Amen? God wins. Why? Because nothing is impossible with him. People will fail you, and political parties will fail you, and presidents and, and kings, they're going to come and they're going to go. But the established throne of Christ, as we sang in the songs this morning, the established throne of Christ reigns, reigns supreme forever and ever. And so ultimately, it's in God and not the government that we put our trust. And we need to keep trusting and glorifying him no matter what. Because when the praises of God go up, regardless of your circumstances, my Bible says the presence and the blessings of God comes down. And why do we want the presence of God in our lives? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says there is freedom. There is liberty. Healing might break out. And that testimony might come from, from God showing up in somebody's life. And so you and I need to become a people who glorify God on the regular. Because when God's presence is there, come on something, God cannot fail. Amen? Amen. When God steps into a situation, I call him the great shuffler. <laughs> because he likes to stack the deck in our favor. Oh, hallelujah. I'm feeling something this morning. Someone's not getting it. But God likes to, st to, to stack the deck in our favor. So the first good and excellent praiseworthy things to focus on is God himself. He needs to be part of our daily routine. And not because, just because things are going well. The scripture says he, he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. Amen? But let me tell you the, 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 the next three things that we need to focus on because these are also on the very heart of God. These are the things that, that God cares about. And if we would put our energies into these things, we can work, walk in glorification to him as well. God cares about how we treat our family. Write that down. Our family. Now, here's why. In 1 Timothy 5, 8, it says, Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. It's getting quiet in here. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to, to, be, to, to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instructions that comes from the Lord. What are we supposed to do? Bring them up in the discipline and instructions that come from the Lord. Malachi 2.15, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Help me out, somebody. Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to your wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. I'm going to say that again. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. Psalms 127.3. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Listen to me. Where the family goes, 
so does the nation. What happens in our family is, is going to happen in our nation. And what's taught or not taught will influence the next generation. And too many of us are taking our, hand, our hands-off approach to educating our children. And I'm telling you, that is a mistake. In fact, I heard a parent say, well, I'll just let them choose for themselves. And when, you, and when they choose foolishness, listen to me, and they end up in some kind of cult or confused about their own genders, come on, somebody, because of the foolishness that's being taught to them even in our schools, you can just say one day, you know, you just let them choose for themselves. That's not even biblical. It's not a biblical approach. The Bible says that it is your job and my job to raise them up in the way they should go. And where are my fellas out there? Let me tell you something. Don't believe the lies that you are not necessary. Too many men are walking away from their responsibilities as husbands and fathers with devastating effects. You can just go online and see what's going on. I, I Google, it took me all of maybe 30 seconds to find this. It says, the father absence crisis in America, 18.4 million children, one in four without a biological step or adopted father at home. Research shows when a child is raised in a father absent home, they're affected in the following ways. Listen, four times greater risk of poverty more likely to have, a behavior, to have behavioral problems, two times greater risk in infant mortality, more likely to, be, to go to prison, more likely to commit crime, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. Now, I, I, I was just saying that the other day. When I was growing up during my BC days and out there dating, the, the families that did not have a, a, a dad in the house was a whole lot easier to deal with in terms of the girls. But once there was a dad in the house, everything came to a screeching halt. Come on, somebody. Because dads know what's going on. Seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen. More likely to face abuse and neglect. More likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. Two times more likely to suffer obesity. Two times more likely to drop out of school. Man, don't believe the lie that you are not necessary. You are absolutely necessary. And ultimately, moms and dads, it's our job to educate our children to make sure that our local schools aren't undermining everything you're teaching. Jesus had a lot to say about our children. He said, he said this. First, he said, let the children come to me. Remember when the the, the parents were trying to bring the kids to Jesus, and the disciples were saying, no, no, no. And Jesus saw it happen. He said, no, you let the children come to me, because of, of such is the kingdom of God. And then he took one and put them on his lap, and he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's Matthew 18. Six. Now, keep that picture up for a second. A millstone, that's a millstone. In biblical times, it was a stone structure that was used to grind the grain, olives, or seeds. It consisted of basically two parts, uh, one stationary at the base and the second at the top that moved around to grind. 
And there were different kinds of millstones. There were large ones that required a donkey to turn it or a beast of burden to turn it. And smaller ones like that one that were, that were turned by human hands. So, so Jesus is clearly making a statement. He says this is what should happen to the person who will, who will mess or harm with one of his children. He said it would be better for them to take not a small millstone, but take a large one and tie it around your neck and be cast into the sea. As far as he's concerned, it'd be better for you to be fish food than to mess or mislead one of his children. And unfortunately, in this country, there's going to be a reckoning for a lot of people who are teaching a lot of foolishness to God's creation, his children. If you want to honor and glorify God, take care of your family. And make raising them in the knowledge of the Lord a priority in your life over everything else. You know what over everything else means? It means over everything else. Because if you don't do it, no one will. And the schools certainly won't. Don't abandon them. Take care of them. Because at the end of the day, God is going to hold us accountable. So the first thing we want to do is to put our trust in God and be careful how we treat our families if we're going to bring glory to him on this earth. The third way to give glory to God is to choose your friends wisely. Anyone ever see this little statement that goes up? Birds of a feather shall flock together. We know what that means, right? Right? And I often tell it, and some of you heard me say it, you tell me who your five closest friends are, and I'll tell you who you are. If your five closest friends are partiers, chances are you're a partier. If your five closest friends are uh, out hitting the clubs, that, that's probably you too. If your five closest friends crochet, <laughs> that's probably what you do as well. You tell me who your five closest friends are, and I'll tell you who you are. Now, why is that important? Because 1 Corinthians 15, 33 warns. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Hello. Bad company corrupts good character. The people you spend the most of your time with will influence your actions and your behaviors. Now, if you were recently married and all your friends are single partiers, you're probably not going to you know, have a smooth marriage. You're going to have marital issues. I know because I get the phone calls. He, he's out all the time with his friends. Someone forgot to tell him he, he's married now. He has children now. And what he was doing beforehand, he can't, it's no longer uh, uh, prudent to continue to do, do those things. Just saying. Proverbs 22, verse 24 says this, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person and do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. And so what's the solution? Make new friends, new and positive influences in your life. If you want to glorify God, part of what you're probably going to have to do, I have to do it as well. Because when I got saved, 
I got on fire for Jesus, and before I was saved, I was doing a lot of foolishness with a bunch of my friends. And then I got on fire for Jesus, and, and I started going to church, and, and they went, you know, what's going on, Rick, Ricky? And he said, just, just come to the church. Come on. I want, I, because obviously I want my friends to experience the same thing I, I was going through. And some of them got it. Most of them didn't. Some came and they mocked in the whole nine yards. And eventually I had to make a decision. Do I continue to hang out with my knucklehead friends or do I move on with the things of the Lord? I decided to move on and to pray for them. And that decision comes to every single one of us. Doesn't mean you can't be friends. Doesn't mean you don't pray for them. But it does mean at some point you're going to have to stop doing what they do because they're going to start putting pressure on you to do those things. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person or you may learn their ways and get ensnared. Now let me give you, what's number one? Help me out someone. Put your trust and faith in the Father. What's number two? In glorifying God. It's God cares about how you treat your family. What's number three? I'm telling you, birds of a feather flock together. And so it's important for you to choose your friends Wisely. Let me give you the fourth one. Learn to walk in forgiveness. Learn to walk in forgiveness. Most of us have heard the statement, to err is human and to forgive is divine. That was by a fellow by the name of Alexander Pope, one of the first major poems written uh, by the English writer in 1688. It was published in 1711 and was called an essay on criticism. He also made some other statements. He says, a little learning is a dangerous thing, and fools rush in where angels fear to tread. And so when I listen to some of his literary comments, it sounds like to me, at least with the first quote, that Alexander might have been reading his Bible. Because this is what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Help me out, somebody. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now, let's think about that just for one moment. How did God forgive us? Did he put conditions on it? Did he do it completely? Now, Scripture tells me he takes our sins once we get serious. And he takes our sins and he casts them as far as the east is from the west. And I always found that interesting because he didn't say I cast your sins as far as the north is from the south. Because the north pole and the south pole is measurable. At some point you keep going north. As soon as you hit the north pole, what eventually happens? You start going south. But if you cast them as far as the east is from the west, if you go east, do you eventually start going west? No. If you go west, do you eventually start going east? No. And so, as, as Pastor Steve had mentioned, he, he takes those sins and he says, I, I, I throw them in the sea of forgetfulness. I remember them no more. That's how I forgive you. In fact, Jesus upped the ante. And he says, if you can't figure out what I'm talking about, listen to me, Matthew 6, verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive 
your sins. And you remember, he, he, and then he followed that up with a little story about a guy who owed a king lots of money. He was big time in debt, and the king called him in to, 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 to settle up his debt, and he didn't have the money. And so the king was about to throw him in jail, and he begged the king, please forgive me. I don't have it, but please forgive me. And the king had mercy on him and released him. And that same guy who was released found somebody who owed him a little bit of money. He owed, let's say comparative, he owed millions to the king, and he found somebody that owed him hundreds. And he, and he grabbed the guy and he says, give me the hundreds that you owe me. And the, and the guy said, begged him, he said, please don't, I, I, I don't have it. And he grabbed the guy, Jesus telling the story, grabbed the guy by the neck and started choking him. And demanding to get the money back. And the people saw what he did and told the king. And when the king found out how he had treated the one who owed him a little, he dragged him before him. He said, I have forgiven you all this debt. And you turned around and, and could not forgive that little debt? And Jesus said, and from that moment on, he said, you, you wicked servant, he took him, you're going to be thrown into jail until you are able to pay every single one of your debts, you and your family. And so Jesus gave, and he says, I'm going to turn you over to the torturers. And so for so many of us, because we, God has forgiven us, he has forgiven us all of our sins, but we choose to hold on to the little bit of sins that, that other people have, you know, against us. The Bible says it, it can give us, bring us torment. If you want to walk in glorification to the Father, we need to get to that place where we learn to let things go. Amen. Because he says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants us to forgive just as we have been forgiven. That sounds pretty definitive. 1 John 4.20 says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have not, who they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God, listen, must also love their brother and their sister. The way you show love and bring glory to our unseen God is to focus on the things he says should be important to our, in our lives. And what are the things that should be important in our lives? It's our relationship with the Father on the daily, not just one day instituted by our government, but every day, every day to give God glory in our lives, to, to, to give him the praise that he deserves. Amen? Because he says that he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. I'm going to focus on the Father, and then I'm, going to, I'm also going to take care of my family. In fact, when people call me and they're in a desperate situation, one of the first things I ask them is, have you talked to your family? Have you, got, have, you, have you reached out to them? And in some cases they say yes, and for some reasons the, the bridges have already been burnt because of the things that they've done. In some cases they won't call the family because of pride issues because I'm not going to call them. Well, the first step in those situations is to call your family. The Scripture says that a man who won't take care of his family is worse than an infidel. 
And so God, if I'm going to glorify God on this earth, I'm not just going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on the family as well. And the third way we said is we're going to choose our friends wisely because you, you tell me who, you, who your closest friends are, I'm going to tell you who you are. And, and it might be time to, you know, upgrade. <laughs> time to make a change. I'm talking to someone out there because you're getting into trouble because you're constantly hanging out with people who are trying to pull you back into the things of this world. And God is telling you it's decision time. At some point, you need to let them go, put them in the hands of God, and start walking the new life that Jesus paid for you to walk in. If your life has not changed since you've, been, since you've given your life to Jesus, something is wrong. And if you're going, still doing the same things you were, done, you were doing before, something is wrong. God called us to a new life, a new walk in him. And that's how you're going to glorify the Father. And lastly, you are going to start offering to people the same forgiveness that God offered you. That's completely without reservation. Pastor Rick, you don't understand what, what they did. Listen, I don't have to understand what they did. God knows what they did, and God will be their judge. Amen? And you need to start praying for them so that they don't split hell wide open for what they did. And that God will start to work, work on their heart so that they too may come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and repent, truly repent, and surrender their lives to him. One pastor said, God has given me the gift of goodbye. And something, sometimes I need to let things go and move on with the things of the Lord. Let me tell you something about forgiveness too because I had to minister to that issue with someone recently. Done something and felt ashamed. The scripture says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So let me tell you something. The first, if you've done something and we've all done something, the first person you go to for forgiveness is God. Amen? My Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you. I said the second person you go to if you've done something to someone is to that person and ask their forgiveness. Well, Pastor Rick, what if they don't forgive me? That's not your job. The Bible says just do your part. You go to them, you ask forgiveness, and then you leave the results to God. Amen? And whether they forgive you or not, that's between them and God. But you ask for forgiveness. I said, but you got to take that third step. They said, what's the third step? The third step is you got to start to forgive yourself. Because if you don't, the devil is going to push you into a depression. you got to let things go. And who are you to hold on to stuff that God has thrown into the sea of forgetfulness? Amen? God knows what he's getting. He knows that our feet are made of clay and that we make mistakes, that no one is perfect. No one is perfect. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody. God is 
good and he's worthy of our praise from the grace that he's poured out on each and every one of us through his son. That's how we give glory to God. We focus on the Father, your family, choose your friends wisely, and walk in forgiveness. That's how we give thanks and praise to him. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we just thank you for your amazing love and your amazing grace and that you've given us the opportunity not to, to, to in all things give thanks and to focus on those things that are good and praiseworthy and every good and perfect thing comes from the Father. And Lord, that to realize that your word says that your heart is for us and nothing is impossible with you. Nothing. And so, Father, give us a heart and an attitude of gratitude. Help us to walk with grit and grace and to grow in the things of the Lord and to glorify you while we are on this earth because at the end of the day, well, we will stand with the elders and every living creature. and We will be crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this privilege. And Lord, we don't want any rocks to, to give praise for us. We will cry out holy for ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if you're here today or on the sound of my voice, if you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, that is the first step. That is the acknowledging that you are a sinner and you need a Savior. All have sinned and fall short of his standard. What we deserve is death. That's eternal separation from the Father. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord for all those who would call on the name of Jesus from a sincere heart. Someone say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Come into my heart. From this day forward, I surrender my life to you. Help me to be a man or woman of God who brings glory to you on this earth by your grace, help me to walk in these areas and where I'm falling short, Lord, whether it's through my family or the friends that I'm hanging out with, or my attention to you, the Father, or even walking in unforgiveness, Father, I repent of all those things right now. Forgive me, Jesus. Forgive me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, 
please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.